podcast skirt nah this is milo and annie guest starring for um for fast freddy who's up at a wedding in south carolina but uh annie is probably the most gifted linguist in our immediate family so i think she can fill those shoes how you doing over there sis feeling like i'm wearing clown shoes i'm doing my best Heard that, heard that. Well, before we get into some talk, uh, once again, and as always, we're sponsored by Miller's Hardware in Winter Park in Castleberry in Orlando. We're (laughs) (laughs) We're going into the summer, you know, make sure everyone is geared up for July 4th. We're recording this on June 4th. Grills, coolers, all that stuff, Miller's Hardware, go there. Also, we highly value listener feedback, questions, and any other topic suggestions. You know, something other than football is the feedback we've been getting. <laughs> so so here's, here's Anna. And uh, all of y'all have our contact information, but if you don't, feel free to email me at mbrew at gatech.edu. So first thing we're going to talk about is the Champions League final, Liverpool versus Real Madrid. And you know, we try to keep it clean here mostly. So I'm just going to let Anna get her bleeps out here first, and then she can take it away. All right. I don't feel like overall we got outplayed, but as Klopp said, football isn't fair. So if you look at shots on goal, we were trying the whole game and we were absolutely firing away. Just, it just didn't work out and sports aren't fair. It's, it's not a meritocracy. It's just something, sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way and that's about it. So I, much. I hear you, but you're burying the lead a little bit. So Liverpool, I was I was in Chicago with my buddy Sam watching it at a pub that was like 90% Real Madrid fans. But Liverpool was the better team, I think, throughout. But the, the, the I did feel like that, yeah. Yeah, but the ball just didn't go in the net, to your point. But also what I was referencing is there was like a 45-minute delay because – Hooligans on both sides were getting pissed at the gates and hopping the fence. Some of those videos were hilarious. I was just, whenever it was a Real Madrid jersey, I was hoping security would tackle them. Did you see all that? Yeah. So we were sitting at the bar and we just finished up uh, work and, you know, skirted on on two tires to get to get up to um, a really cool bar I've never been to before. And so we're sitting outside and we're ordering and we're just staring at the TV and we had to sit there for literally 45 minutes and they kept delaying and delaying, I think 15, 20 minutes at a time. That was surprising. However, I've been watching soccer every weekend. Uh, it's fine. Sorry. I'll take it out. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Every gosh darned weekend for, for a decade now, that barely registered with me. Besides, I just want to get this game started. So because we're sitting outside and it's hot and I just want to watch the full 90 minutes and go home. But it barely registered. The hooliganism and the jumping over the fences and stuff, it barely even registered with me, honestly. I gotcha. Well, it did for me and Sam. We were at a, um outdoor beer festival thing in Chicago, <laughs> and uh, we made it a point to find a place to watch that game. And then we get there, find a good spot, and then wait for 45 minutes. Another th- funny thing, like, 
during the match. The whole bar is wall-to-wall TVs. Most of them are tuned to the, was it NBC is the main feed? And then uh-huh. the TVs right next to us were tuned to the Telemundo feed, which was like three seconds faster. So I, the- yeah, I usually <laughs> prefer it. Telemundo always has a better feed and better commentary. Like, even if you can half understand what they're saying, it, it is better commentary. Oh, exactly. And it was funny. The bar erupts on that first time Real Madrid put it in the net, but then the offside flag comes up. <laughs> but it was a fun match. Ugh, it sucks that Liverpool couldn't win, but you can't win them all. You know what I mean? So yeah. it is what it is. It was uh, an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> yeah, it was a good match. But, uh, yeah, and we already have silverware this season, so um, it's not the end of my world. The interesting thing about just to circle back to the thing with the fans jumping over barriers. Did you hear that full story? Maybe. Enlighten me. So the problem was they were directing Liverpool fans to five gates in the stadium. And they shut down four of them. And then, you know, the French love to go on strike. As as soon as the wind blows in one direction or another, they they love to just not work. (laughs) They're super good at it. I mean, it's one of their tremendous legacies. We're making um, fun because we're jealous. And also, be, we're allowed to because we have French blood. Yeah, but there you go. those goobers, and so there were just, there were not enough security people, and yes, they were hassling fans. Many fans, obviously, tremendously drunk, needed to be hassled. But on the other hand, they just paid thousands of dollars to get there and to get tickets, and they couldn't get in the flipping See what I did there? I said yeah, flipping. Yeah, yeah you good. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't get in the flipping gate. Like that's that's kind of bull honky. Honestly, so I probably would have done the same thing if I shelled out thousands and thousands of dollars, either coming yeah. from England or from Spain, and then obviously I have a good time pregame and I can't get into the gosh darn stadium to watch this match that it spits all the money on yeah i'd probably blow a gasket as well so so i'd be absolutely curious packed in like sardines trying to get one person to look at my id and let and scan my ticket and let me in the gosh darn stadium like i'd be furious if i could over the fence i would (laughs) i'm with you now um we are also joined by my sister's friends billy who is a real madrid fan does he want to get a word in uh, eventually he can have a word in edgewise. So okay. I'm going to take the headset and not listen to you guys. I'm going to, I'm just going to put my hands on my ears and scream la 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 in the corner. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. If he's there, hand it to him. <laughs> All right, Billy, you're up. All right. And we're also joined by my sister's friend, Billy, who is a Real Madrid fan. So what do you think about that match, Billy? Um, obviously I'm super pleased with the result. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, wasn't exactly how I thought it would go. Obviously, Liverpool bossed the game from off the step, and I think Real Madrid played kind of how they played every Champions League game. You know, kind of soak up pressure, soak up pressure, and then you just burst forward at the start of the second and got the goal. If it wasn't for Thibaut Courtois just absolutely standing on his head, I think that game goes wildly differently. True that. Uh, Anna and I just talked a little bit about the uh, pregame shenanigans. Did you hear all about that? Uh, yeah, I've actually heard quite a few stories um, from. I was I was actually listening to the game on three different feeds while I was at work. Um, so I had the Telemundo feed, uh, I had the actual Paramount feed, and then I had another European feed. 
going all at the same time and <laughs> just uh, serving on three different screens. Yeah, well, yeah, just mostly just trying to figure out what like what was going on. And uh, yeah, from from what I've heard, and the fact that now UEFA has come out and said that they're the ones who totally messed up the situation, which isn't surprising, since that it's something they've done on quite a few occasions. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you know, local PD never helps. It kind of just became an entire mess. I mean, they gassed the wrong people at one point with tear gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They tear gassed out all of Paramount Studios, like uh, studio truck complex. So yeah, they had to sit there in tear gas inside the trailers and somehow keep the feed running. Yeah, so, respect. Uh, I'll, I'll yeah. bleep myself, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I guess like, I mean, uh, sure, people shouldn't have been hopping the fences and stuff, but they kind of, UEFA, UEFA and local security kind of put made that really tough on the fans and I don't blame them for, you know, trying to get in any way they could, whether they had tickets or not. I mean, it's just a ridiculous situation. Yeah. Anna and I just said the same thing. Like if we spent all that money to go to France from Spain or England, I'm sure those tickets were at least a thousand dollars a pop. <laughs> if, if I'm sitting there while my team's about to kick off. Yeah. I would flip out. <laughs> I would oh yeah. Well, the fans... thing. And then they try and funnel them all into one gate and, I don't know. Yeah, this it, is what it, happens. It, yeah, exactly. It was a. At first, I was like, "Why is it delayed? It's a dome stadium, and the weather looks good." No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they just well, messed up the logistics. So that whole situation is UEFA's fault, not the fans' fault. Correct. And, and then to have UEFA's initial statement be that uh, Liverpool fans have a history of causing problems at finals, and I'm like, "Oh no, that's." <laughs> That's really dark and extremely messed up. And then to come out a few weeks later and go, you know what, guys? It was our fault. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Um, well, Billy, thanks. I appreciate your thoughts. you mind uh, no, tossing it back off to Anna? No, of course not. So thank you, Anna and Billy, for your thoughts on that Champions League final. Now... Last weekend, I went to Chicago and Indianapolis for the Indianapolis 500. Chicago and we drove over for the Indy 500 short story long it was actually on Fast Freddy's bucket list in 2020 we had tickets but then COVID and then last year we rolled the tickets over to this year and then we were all set to go to Indy 500 this year but then my dad had full knee replacement surgery about three two or three months ago or so so he couldn't do it so I was gonna sell the tickets but then I contacted my good friend Sam, my former roommate from Georgia Tech, who lives in Chicago, and saw if he wanted to go, and he was down. So, great. All right, so I go into Chicago, then we drive over. What's up? (laughs) Okay. I was telling my friend about how you were going, you were in Chicago for the final, and then you were driving to Indianapolis for the Indy, and she was like, why would he do that? And I was like, well, I guess it's only like three hours away. And in the Midwest, that's basically walkable. So that's fine. 
But it's, it's, my it's, question here yeah, is if you're referring to Sam as Samwise, does that make you Frodo for this journey? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can call me Frodo. He's Samwise. That's about right. He pretty much carried me. Uh, he's driving his Prius from uh, Chicago to Indy. And to your point uh, about logistics, um, a flight into Indianapolis was going to be like eight or nine hundred dollars. Uh, instead, I flew into Chicago Midway for $300 round trip. So, And then uh, we rolled in Sam's Prius over to Indianapolis. It was uh. a true spectacle, a crowd of 325,000 people. We had a parking pass. We had the works. And... <laughs> How so did it for, feel different from Daytona? Like, were there fewer mullets or like the same amount of mullets? Ooh, it's a good question. It was an eclectic group of people, which I'll get to. <laughs> but, but first, let me give you the uh, the intro, right? So, so we okay. get there. We get to the speedway. Um, this. I'm trying not to curse. This huge, gosh darn parking lot with cars everywhere. All these, like everything from sports cars to like big ass trucks and all this and like sam's in his little prius what well, we are in his little prius which is great and as we're like in line to find a parking spot in the lot there's some redneck guy it's just like well shoot that little thing's on roller skates you can maneuver like a heck around here <laughs> we were both just <laughs> laughing about that <laughs> sam was like <laughs> It wasn't an insult. It was kind of a compliment because honestly, right. it was the perfect car <laughs> for that. Anyway, Dude, so it's not as tiny as my Fiat, but still, those things corner like they're on rails. No, like exactly. They'll... And then we were we were checking out all these massive trucks. Like, man, I would hate to have that around here. I would absolutely yeah. clip something. <laughs> so yeah, like I understand you're flexing, but like not the car for this. Right. Right, exactly. All right, so we get the Prius parked. We start walking towards the speedway. Indianapolis 500 is a 500-mile race. The track is a 2.5-mile. They call it an oval, but it's more like a long rectangle. But anyway, we get inside, and I didn't realize this until the day of. In the middle of the infield was actually a full-on like EDM festival going on, like Dead Mouse, Stevie Oki, a couple other DJs and stuff. And so there's like 15,000 kids doing whatever at that while there's a massive race, like the greatest spectacle in racing going on around them. So like oh we God. would go to concessions and it's just like, oh, here's some middle-aged, overweight white guy. Uh, who's obviously a race fan. And, oh, here's a bunch of festival chicks in booty shorts. I wonder what they're here for. <laughs> so You've got Bubba juxtaposed with a bunch of gals with uh, nothing but nipple stickers on. Pretty much, pretty much. God. Yeah, the, people watching, the people watching was fantastic. So, anyway, we get into, like, we first get through the gates. We're in line for beer while the national anthem is going. It's the best flyover I've ever seen in my life. Like, six F-16 Air Force Thunderbirds come through over the, um, they fly right over us with smoke trailing behind them uh, while we're getting our beers. And we're like, darn it, we missed it. But uh, then we get into the stadium with our beers, sit down, and they start doing the tradition, which is uh, back home again in Indiana. Obviously. I nice. actually think I 
Yeah, I think I've heard that song before, actually. Yeah, and so they do the national anthem, and then they do that, and I thought the Jets were gone, but they looped around, and as the <laughs> as the guy who's a much better singer than me is finishing the the tradition, the song, these six of them are like coming straight for us and then split off into different stuff. It made me pumped to go watch Top Gun. Like it's the best flyover I've ever seen. So that's like, what I've been ho- thinking this whole time. You, you're describing this flyover. I'm like, wow, they're, this is the press tour for Top Gun. They're just doing really impressive flyovers. Uh, although I, I must say Air Force, not Navy. I mean, I'm more a Navy pilot guy myself, but I gotta give props to the Thunder Chickens from Air Force. That the was Thunder amazing. Chickens, call that's, them. That's what Monty calls them because oh, they're funny. Air Force. They're yeah. Thunderbirds. Anyway, so so that was amazing. Okay. And um, okay. Thunderbirds are Air Force, and then Blue Angels are the Navy ones. That's right. That's right. And the race was great. <laughs> I'll spare you the details of all of it, but uh, Erickson, who, the Swedish won? guy, won. Who okay. uh, he used to run, he used to race in F1 like, I don't know, five years ago. But uh, his car won, and, um, you know, it's tradition. The winner takes the winning car down the brickyard and chugs milk. But then he just, he, I don't even know it's if just... he actually drank the milk, he just dumped it on himself. <laughs> Excuse me, is this, is this oat milk? Is no, it's real milk. It's like a dairy thing. I don't know. This race has been disgusting. going on for like 110 really or 115 years. I know. It's weird. Mm, <laughs> hot milk. Love hot milk. Oh, yeah. 90 degrees uh, day before Memorial Day. I just it's- won. Oh, yeah. Let's drink milk. <laughs> Like this, the stats on um, on racing, people will tell you it's not a real sport. They're driving a car, blah blah blah. There's no AC. They lose twenty to twenty five pounds in sweat. If I drank milk, I think I would throw up. <laughs> yeah, so I don't really blame uh, the winner for doing that no. either. And do then, not drink. Um, God, do not drink that. Like this is <laughs> not good for you. Give me a beer or a water. Gosh darn yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. All right. And I would turn- like a wheelchair and um, an, an IV, ideally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then to wrap this whole elongated story up, then we stayed in downtown Indianapolis, went to St. Amos Steakhouse, which a lot of people have heard about. We had their famous... Oh, they are on Parks and Rec. There's, um, they have that in Parks and Rec. They changed the name slightly, but it's Sa- like the most famous steakhouse in Indiana. Everyone's obsessed with it. Same was actually brought that up as we were walking over to to the steakhouse that episode of Parker's Wreck and yeah their shrimp cocktail is famous uh, and, the, and the waiter told us it's like it's our own horseradish it'll clear up your sinuses blah 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 and she was not lying <laughs> it was yeah. like a lot and then um, then we both had some awesome pieces of steak so all in all great weekend and Again, shout out Samwise very much for uh, saving me a lot of money on a rental car, as well as flying into Indy. It allowed me to fly into Chicago. So thank you very much. All right. Thanks, everyone, for humoring me on my long Indy 500 story, but it was a blast. And now our next topic, we're going to talk about the two beers and a puppy test that um, – I've kind of stolen this from an author, Ross McCammon's book that has a super long title, but it's called Works Well with Others. Just look that up on Amazon. Someone shared this page with me, and I'm tempted to read the rest of the book because of how good this 
page is, Anna? It was me. I shared it with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, so again, Ross McCammon's book works well with others. Two beers and a puppy test. And you might hear some puppy noises in the background, whether it's my sister's dog or my dog. This is the author's word, so I want to say this properly and not mess it up. So, two beers and a puppy. A helpful test for determining how you feel about someone. Two Beers and a Puppy is a test that I developed while working on an Esquire story on the American Son of a Bee. The test is, in order to find out how you actually feel about someone, ask yourself, would I have two beers with this person? And, would I allow this person to look after my puppy over a weekend? Some people are no and no. These people are to be avoided at all costs. Some people are yes and no. These people are to be cautiously trusted. Some people are no and yes. These people are no fun, but they make the world a better place, for puppies especially. And some people are yes and yes. These people are wonderful people, and your life and work are better for having them in your life. Seek them out. Collaborate with them. Enjoy their company. All right, end quote. <laughs> so, Anna, what do you think about that that uh, page? Genuinely, like, when I read this for the first time, it really opened my eyes because I think we all have people in our life where we're friends more out of convenience. We don't necessarily, like, have those intimate connections. So we're not necessarily, like, vulnerable with them. But we would we would call them our friends, even though, like if you get dumped or if your car breaks down, that's not someone you're gonna call. And it um, it was interesting to me because it's, for me, I interpreted it as um, focus your energy on the people that are gonna be there for you should you ever need them. Whether you wanna have two beers or you wanna leave for the weekend and you need someone to watch your puppy. Or both. <laughs> or both. Yeah, yeah. and. I don't know if I'm psychoanalyzing myself. I used to just be two beers, but I've had a dog for four years now, and he's not dead. I'm looking at him right now. So so I like to think at age 33 that I might also be the person who would take care of your puppy and not mess it up. You watch people's puppies all the time. But I yeah. Do. I do. Sit, puppies puppies sit. are different than grown dogs though. Puppies are you know, wild card. They, yeah, they are wild cards. But um getting Kenobi has really changed you for the better. It made you um I don't wanna say more responsible. You've always been responsible, but like more considerate of others, more empathetic. Like having Kenobi has really changed you positively. Well, this wasn't really planned, but <laughs> We, we might as well talk about how I got Kenobi. So uh, back in summer of 2018, for years leading up to that, my, my sister Anna had been s- sending me dogs to adopt. And I was like, no, 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 no. And then eventually I relented. And I got to give her credit because he's a great dog. And uh, yeah, it did kind of... <laughs> Make me a little less lonely, and uh, I I do not regret getting him at all. He's and also I got him at the right time because then going into the pandemic I would have gone insane if I didn't have someone living with me. So right. I gotta give you props, Anna. Yeah, it it was really good. Like coming back from college, I really struggled with depression, and before I had found a job, it was hard to keep to a to a schedule and not just like 
drink all flipping day, like do nothing but waste time, like day drinking and stuff. So getting Gidget, honestly, like, yeah, well, getting Gidget, I, I say this without a hint of irony, getting Gidget saved my life, changed my life. Like just having someone wake you up in the morning because she has to go pee and either she's going to pee on your floor, on your carpet, or you're going to go outside and walk her. Like it's exactly. just, it's just non-negotiable. <laughs> it's like, right. Hey, dummy, you have to take care of this living, loving person. Uh, and it's, it's not like a fish where you just drop a flake. No, no, no. You got to walk right. this thing. Otherwise, that dookie is going on your floor and you yeah. get to deal with it. <laughs> you get to pick it up. You get to smell it. I mean, it's disgusting. <laughs> but there are real world consequences for not, doing your, for not doing your job. And they are immediate consequences. Right. And it's almost, it's almost good to like have that routine. You know what I mean? Because like you said – sometimes that structure is so healthy structure yeah yeah because because otherwise i could just get bogged down in my head and not realize how to actually be a real person <laughs> anyway yeah no we're, we're both so bad at that like when i'm at work and i'm staring at a computer screen like it takes a minute for my brain to like speak english again instead of flipping photoshop like it, if someone walks up to my my desk and asks me a question i i look like an android when i turn to them and like try to remember how to communicate. <laughs> yeah, it's almost I, like I, you I, have to like, hard the yeah. Right. You have to switch over to like, oh, being mm -hmm. a person, not a robot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure everyone I work with thinks that I'm a jerk because I'm just so completely deadpan. Like if I'm a not in my at my desk in my chair, I'm animated, I'm friendly. If I'm in my desk chair I am a completely different person. I, there is no emotion. I do not pay attention to clocks. Time has no meaning. I will fall down the rabbit hole, and it takes a lot to pull me back out. All right. Well, thanks for putting up with us through our long-winded – On mental health discussion. Yeah, yeah, two beers and a puppy test and tangents. But um, now let's bring it back to Earth. I got to say my sister is probably the best cook in our immediate family. Like Fast Freddy is the grill master, the grill master. I, I don't know. I'm kind of a weirdo just messing around with kitchen gadgets unnecessarily. And then, You're a scientist. And, Call you what you are. You're a scientist. Scientist. Yes. There you go. There you go. I will take that as a compliment. But my sister is the best when it comes to both cooking and baking. So we want to get some of her recipes and make sure everyone you're taking notes and feel free to send her your feedback to Anna Brupp on Instagram, A-N-N-A-B-R-U-P. So Anna, give, give, us, give us some deets. Give us something. All right. Just because it's fresh on my brain and Memorial Day was uh, last weekend – my dad said this to me when I was little, many times. The best way to feed a big group of people inexpensively is whether it's, he always does chicken leg quarters on the grill. And that's great. I'm lazy and I would rather do family packs of bone-in, skin-on chicken thighs and drumsticks. It is so cheap. I got 10 pounds of meat for like $15. And um, that's what I'm talking about. It's they're flipping amazing. And then my new method that that Billy and I used uh, last weekend when we were day drinking and fussing around. So you get your all your chicken, 
good and spiced up. Spice the heck out of it. It is almost impossible to overspice. And then you wanna let that sit on your meat, probably for longer than I did, but at least for an hour. Then you pop that into a 300 degree oven for one hour. Because you are using dark meat instead of white meat, it is almost impossible to overcook them. What you're doing is you're cooking it through. Then what you do is you fire up your grill. We did charcoal because charcoal is amazing and the smoke tastes so good. And then we finish them on our little grill. I swear to Christ, we must have, we finished four pounds of meat in one night between um, the three people in my house. It was amazing. And it, it was so cheap. It was so fast. And most of it's downtime. So if you have people over, you're, you know, you're drinking beers, you're talking to people. There's, it's mostly hands off. It was so easy and so good. And you're not talking about little people. You're talking about grown ass men crushing this chicken, right? Right. I consider myself to be a mid-sized person, but, um, but both of my, one's an ex-Marine, Billy's the size of a house. Um, they're, they're well, that. they're both well over six feet. They're, they're sheds. They're, they're more similar to a shed than a, a regular sized person. So yeah, we housed four pounds of meat between the three of us. It was dope. And big people, you can't mess around. I've found myself on the wrong end of that before, just having like finger food when big people, <laughs> you know, need need that protein, need the big stuff. So I agree. And to your point, like a lot of just average housewives these days, just all they buy is just the boneless, skinless chicken breast from Publix or Kroger or whatever, which is fine. But right. but you're missing out on a lot of the flavor and the value of of just buying bone-in chicken thighs, like you said. Yeah, there's a ton more flavor. It's also like half to a third of the price if you're doing boneless, skinless chicken breasts. And you you absolutely, there's not a single person on this earth that can properly cook besides Mr. Herbert, dad's friend, Mr. Herbert can do this Shout out because, <laughs> because he is religious about using meat thermometers and he is, his grill is probably more expensive than my car. The only person I've ever met that can properly grill without drying out a chicken breast is Mr. Herbert. True. But I dated a chef for two years and, and he would even tell you like if, if you're questioning anything, like if you're worried about getting it cooked all the way, anything like that, like dark meat's the way to go because it's so much more forgiving. It's cheaper. It tastes way better. Yep. Easier to cook, especially, especially if you're inexperienced and you don't have a $1,500 grill or like meat thermometers coming out of your ears. You genuinely don't need one. Just pop it in the oven at 300 for an hour and then forget about it. You could eat it right then. It's going to be perfectly cooked. It's not raw in the middle. You don't have to worry about that. It's going to be juicy as hell. I just can't say enough about it. I'm obsessed with it. And then and then flame it up on the grill outside if you want mm -hmm. and pretend like you're a baller. <laughs> yeah. Just, and, if, and yeah. If you want, you can. You don't have to. It's, it's good either way. Yeah. And to your point, I'm all about cheap and easy stuff because uh, myself and my immediate family – you know, as you might have guessed, we do like to enjoy a cocktail or two, um, and we don't mm -hmm. necessarily have the attention span to look at something, you know, constantly like yeah. like Horbertson or whomever. And, yeah, uh, we are not cooking risotto for family <laughs> gatherings. Yeah. Um, and this is impromptu, but I would also like to mention this past January, January 2022, was my father's birthday, and we recreated 
the Goodfellas prison scene, I will insert the da 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 In prison, dinner was always a big thing. We had a pasta course, and then we had a meat or a fish. Paulie did the prep work. He was doing a year for contempt, and he had this wonderful system for doing the garlic. He used a razor, and he used to slice it so thin that it used to liquefy in the pan with just a little oil. It's a very good system. Editor's note, rest in peace, Ray Liotta, who recently passed. He was amazing in that role. With um, Henry Hill and Polly and all of them in that scene are in prison, <laughs> cooking prison dinner. Henry Hill goes through everything, smuggles in cheese, bread, the wine, the cheese. Give me that, give me the white too. And um, Martin Scorsese was the director of that movie, and his mother shared the recipe of the prison sauce to a magazine back in the 90s. And it's veal, beef, and pork. So... <laughs> Back in January, I was wearing the Adidas tracksuit, my dad was wearing the blue robe, and my sister was actually running the whole kitchen because we were worthless, but we did pick up the meat. We couldn't really get the uh, bone-in uh, feel. But veal shanks, yeah. Veal shanks, yeah. We, we could only find ground feel, but... The, the meatballs were pretty good. Um, we, we tried to follow it as much as we could. Also, the uh, in that scene, the razor blade on the garlic, that's false. <laughs> that's, that was just for the movie. But everything else was pretty accurate. And Did we make um, – Ryan was here for that, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, did, did we make Ryan razor blade the garlic, or at least some of it? I think – I can't remember who it was. Like, just for the sake of being screen accurate, we did have yeah. someone razor blade a couple slices, but then the rest it was just like, no, just take a knife. This is dumb. Right. We, <laughs> but, we killed a lot of brain cells on that evening, and I have killed a lot since. But yeah. it was so much fun. Yeah, and uh, this is actually an interesting technique. I mean, people who are experience in cooking Italian probably already know this, but I didn't realize this until we did it. So you get the sauce going with all the ingredients and we can share a recipe to you. But then these meatballs, both Ann and I press them together, uh, veal, beef, and pork, and you let the sauce go and then you drop the meatballs in raw into the sauce, which I know sounds a little weird, but then once they're cooked, they float to the top and then you lay it on to whatever pasta you want. Am I... Am I correct? Yeah. So the technique was really interesting. I had never, I had never read a recipe where that was the cooking process before, but the technique was flawless and the meatballs were super juicy. They flavored the sauce, the sauce flavored them. It was really good. The one thing to watch is that you want to make sure that your meatballs are a little bit smaller than you're used to about the size of a, like a ping pong ball or like a golf ball. Yep. Um, you want to give your sauce a good stir and make sure it's on very low before you add in the meatballs because you, you do not want to be stirring until they start rising to the top because you'll break up your meatballs. There's already enough meat in the sauce to begin with. You don't want to break up your meatballs. But mom and dad, um, we froze at least half of it. And a lot of the meatballs we didn't even dump into the sauce. So they found the meatballs and they were like, these are raw. What, what did you do with these? And it was like, no, you just you put them in the sauce And some of them will break down, like, and they just become part of the sauce too. It's inevitable, and that's fine. I mean, don't serve it to a vegetarian, but that's fine. (laughs) 
flavor. that's extra yeah. flavor. But it's, um, it's the flavor. They, it's a, oh, you gotta have the pork. That's a flavor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it ended up they ended up so good. And mom and dad, every couple months, they'll like they'll call me about something either from that night or when I stocked their fridge before dad's surgery. And they're like, oh, we just found this uh, this big CD you left us. And I was like, yeah, that and that's the good stuff. That's the yes, Nona is a little racist, but at least she brings the ZD stuff. Like. I do it big on my ZD. Or like um, AJ in The Sopranos, Tony's son. Yeah. Like, yeah. What? No gosh darn ZD now? <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. The so, mom in that show is such a nightmare. The grandmother is such a nightmare. Oh, for sure. And thanks for joining us for Anna's Recipe Corner and in my impromptu meat sauce corner. Um <laughs> All right, so again, thanks everyone for joining us. Milo and Annie here. Uh, I think she did Woo! an admirable job, as well as Billy. Thanks for joining. Um, and, you know, 10 years ago, I was, I used to consider myself a half assed DJ, and my sister was never an electronic music fan. So any song I'd play, they all sounded the same to her, and it's just a beat of. Boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants. Come on, Anna. Boots and pants and 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 and